the book of Luke. As we're proceeding through the book of Luke, and we're looking at chapter 9. Book of Luke, chapter 9. It's said that rank has its privileges and that if you're rich enough and powerful enough you can get pretty much anything you want. One man said one time that a, uh, a chain of gold can catch anything if the chain is long enough. If there's enough. Another person said that we should always remember the golden rule which is the man with the gold makes the rules. But sometimes it doesn't quite happen like that. And we're going to be opening to today by looking at someone who was very rich and very powerful and wanted something and didn't get it. Please, the book of Luke, chapter 9, starting at verse 7. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard of all that was done by him, and he was perplexed because it was said of some that John was risen from the dead and of some that Elias had appeared and of others that one of the old prophets had risen again. And Herod said, John, I have beheaded. But who is this of whom I hear such things? And he desired to see him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask, Lord, open our eyes, open our hearts. Let us understand and see, Father, the things you have in your word for us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Herod was the king. Now, the Herodian family was probably, on good consideration, the lowest, most despicable, most dangerous, most vile most corrupt royal family ever to have inhabited any throne in any country in any stage of history. And that was the nice thing about them. These were people who lied, cheated and murdered their way through history. And Herod was the king. He'd already beheaded John the Baptist. Now it's interesting about John, the, the relationship between Herod and John the Baptist is is interesting because if you look at uh, uh, Herod when he when he um, when John spoke of him that uh, Herod listened to what John the Baptist said uh, have a um, you know, it's, it's not that important where it is but Herod listened to what John the Baptist said but he didn't take any notice of it you see Herod had married his brother Philip's wife and you might think well okay the problem with that well the problem with that was that Philip was still alive and when, when, John, when John the Baptist was asked what do you think about this situation he replied with a one-word answer, it's not lawful, which is one word in Greek, not lawful. And this was a, the reasoning behind Herod's wife's hatred of John, 
and how she uh, conspired and inspired her daughter to get Herod to order John's execution. Now, we've already been through this earlier on. But Herod now heard that this Jesus of Nazareth was preaching much the same thing that that John was and that miracles were being done. Interestingly, John did no miracles. And yet he, he looks and he says, there's something about this situation. And Herod desired to hear and to see him. Well, in one way Herod got his wish, but in another way he didn't. Because have a look over in in Luke chapter 23. Just a little passage there. The the confrontation between the two kings, you might say. Between the, the king on earth and the king in heaven. Luke 23, verse... Starting at verse 8. When Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad, for he desirous, for he was desirous to see him of a long season, because he had heard many things of him, and he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. Then when he questioned with him in many words, but he answered him nothing. Nothing. Jesus never answered Herod a single word. Herod, who had ignored the message of John the Baptist, wanted something from Christ, and Christ gave him nothing. Not a word. See, you can be a king. You can have all that power. But when God says nothing, that's what you get. Nothing. But the important thing I wanted to look at here was that Herod was intrigued by what people were saying. Who is this person, this Jesus of Nazareth? Some said he was John, risen from the dead. Others that uh, Elijah had appeared and others that one of the old prophets was risen again. Now, just for those of you who are interested in the way people write, this is a typical Luke pattern. You see it all through the Gospels and you see it all through the book of Acts. That Luke introduces an issue or a subject or a person. Here he's introduced here, what do the people think of Christ? And then he drops it. And he picks it up again in another place. For now we turn over to Luke chapter 9 verse 18. And Luke begins to pick up this topic again. For in Luke chapter 9 verse 18, And it came to pass as he was alone praying, his disciples with him, that he asked them saying, Whom do the people say that I am? Oh, just interestingly, you know that the Gospel of Luke has more about Jesus' prayers than any other Gospel. If you want to know about Jesus' prayers, look in Luke. Uh, every Every one of the Gospel writers has their own things that they seem to have more interest in. Luke has more information about women than any other gospel. It also has more information about Jesus' prayers 
than any other gospel. So if you're looking about looking on about prayers, look in Luke. And it says that as he was alone praying, his disciples were with him. And he asked them, saying, Whom do the people say that I am? Whom do people say that Jesus is? Well, they said, John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Others say that one of the old prophets is risen again. Who is Jesus? It's a question that's, that Herod asked. It's a question that the people wanted to know. Who is he? And what, what did they answer? What did the people think? What did the common people think? In, in Mark chapter 12 verse 37, we have that the common people heard Jesus gladly. So what was their opinion? These common people who heard Jesus so gladly, who did they think he was? Well, some said he was John the Baptist. And I can imagine that in the, in the, uh, the jokes of, of that day, they would say, no, no, it can't be John the Baptist because he's a good head shorter. Um, no, <laughs> okay. Uh, who was he? Was he John resurrected? Nah, didn't fit. Didn't, didn't fit at all. But some say Elijah Oh, now that, that is an intriguing possibility because all the Jews knew that in the book of Malachi, God said, before the Messiah comes, I will send Elijah again. So some were saying, huh, this guy Jesus of Nazareth, could he be the forerunner for the Messiah? Could he be Elijah returned? to turn the nation of Israel back to the God of their fathers. Ooh, now that's an interesting possibility that some people thought. Others said perhaps he's one of the old prophets risen from the dead. But in all cases, in all cases, they're saying he's a man. He's a man. He's a prophet. Perhaps a very good man perhaps a prophet, perhaps the greatest of the prophets, but still a man. And this is the view of the world today and in, unfortunately it's the view of world religions today. That Jesus is a man. Perhaps a good man. Perhaps a very good man. Perhaps even a prophet. For in fact, the, even the religion of Islam counts Jesus as a prophet, but still just a man. Even in the music of this world, if you, if you know the, the lyrics in Jesus Christ Superstar, Mary Magdalene says, he's a man, he's just a man. And this is the way the world looks at Christ. A good man, perhaps a prophet, but still just a man. The rulers of this world and the common people are united. They want to hear what Jesus says, provided they're only the words of a man. Because the words of a man can be ignored. 
The words of a man can be put to one side. The words of a man, if you don't like them like Herod, you can chop off his head. But no, this is what they, they say. He's just a man. Even after the miracle of the loaves and the fishes, even after having the blind sight restored, even after having the lame walk in front of them, they still say, he's just a man. Now you will speak to people and you will show them the one miracle that they cannot deny, which is your changed life, and yet they will insist He's just a man. This is is the, the attitude of the world that Jesus Christ is just a good man. But what said those who had been with him? Verse 20, And he said unto them, But whom do ye say that I am? Now that's where it gets pointed. Because really... When it all comes down to it, it doesn't really matter what you think. It matters what I think. It matters what I think about Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter what the person next to you thinks about Christ. What do you think about him? Because Jesus says to him, says to them, Whom do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? I've been with you these years. You've seen what I've done. You've heard me speak. Who do you say that I am? It's not good enough to say, well, this person says, or that person says, because in the end it comes down to what do you believe? You will not be judged on what someone else's opinion is. You will only be called to account for what you believe. And rest assured, you will be called to account. Whom do ye say that I am? Peter answering said, The Christ of God. The anointed one of God. That's what Christ means. The anointed one of God. Of God. You are the Messiah. You are the, the hope of Israel. You are the one that we have been waiting for that will redeem our nation. Now, this is really, really interesting here because in verse 21, and he straightly charged them and commanded them to tell no man that thing. Say what? He says, don't tell anybody. They have found the Messiah. Why not tell everybody? This, and this passage, passages like this, they puzzled me for so long. Why does Jesus tell his disciples, don't tell anyone? They've given the right answer. <coughs> They've, you know, it's it's sort of like you know with Eddie, you know, lock in the right answer. It's done. 
and the text comes, the little green lights come on. This is the correct answer. So why not tell anybody? Why keep it quiet? The answer is found in the next verse. Look very carefully at what he says. Because you notice now, what's at the end of of verse 21? What's the last little thing in verse 21? It's a semicolon. It's not a full stop. Not a full stop. So, you need to read verse 21 and verse 22 together. They're not separate verses. They're not separate issues. They're the same thing. And he commanded them to tell no man that thing, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and be slain and be raised the third day. Ah, that's the point. Because it wasn't time yet. Because the proof of who he was wasn't there yet. The proof of the Messiahship, the proof that this was indeed the Son of God hadn't happened yet. Now once it happens, there's a change. There's a real change. You know, in Matthew chapter 10 verse 27, Jesus tells his disciples... What you heard whispered in your ear, shout from the housetops. What you heard said in private, tell everybody. When? When this happens. When the Son of Man is raised from the dead, that's the time to start publicizing it. You look at the comparison here. He, Peter says, you're the Messiah. You're the Son of God. And Jesus says, don't tell anybody. But then turn over to Acts chapter 2. Then it becomes, tell everybody. Now this is Peter who was told, no, 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 no. Just just keep this quiet for the moment, Peter. You observe him on, in Acts chapter 2 at verse 22. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you as yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain whom God hath raised up. Look over in, in uh, yeah, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. And over in verse 36, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus, Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Over in, in Acts chapter 3, uh, verse 14 and 15. But ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the Prince of Life whom God hath raised from the dead whereof we are witnesses. Hey, there's a bit of difference there. That's telling everybody. Why? Because the time had come to tell everybody. Why? Because Jesus Christ had been raised from the dead. 
Now there was the, the whole message was there. I, I mean, I just love the way Peter preaches. He, he is such a great preacher. He, 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 uh, he makes it really easy to understand. It's really simple. He gets told, what are you people doing? Who gave you the authority to preach? And he fronts the, the people in charge of the religious world today and says, uh, in, of his day, and says, you crucified the Messiah, but it didn't work because God raised him from the dead. And if you don't now repent and get right with God, it's all over for you guys. And it's just so wonderful to hear preaching like that. Now, I, I just want to just imagine this. Just, just sort of picture this happening in Melbourne. Down at Fed Square, someone starts preaching, gets up on a milk crate and starts preaching. There are literally thousands of people there, stopped, listening. And the noise of the preaching gets so loud that the guys in charge of, of the St. Paul's Cathedral come out and say, can you keep it down a bit? You're interrupting our service. And the person preaching accuses them of the murder of the Son of God and 3,000 people come to know Christ as their Saviour that day. And he takes them down to the Yarra and baptises them. That's, that's the equivalent of what was happening. But here he's told no. Back there in Luke he's told don't tell anybody because I'm not yet raised from the dead. Now I don't know if, if any of you had ever, ever puzzled over those passages but it wasn't till I realised that this was why Jesus said to his disciples so often don't publish this abroad. It was because the proof of who he was had not yet occurred. Because the Son of Man had not yet been raised from the dead. Jesus is not the messenger from God. We need to understand this. Jesus is not the messenger from God. Jesus is the message from God. There's a difference. Jesus is so different, so special, so unique. Well, that's bad grammar. You can't be so unique. Jesus is unique. There is nothing and no one like him. You know... Even now, we can let other things get in the way. We can let other things and important things, but we can let them put that veil there between people and Christ. There is nothing and no one more important than Jesus. Nothing and no one. I don't care what it is. We, we have it, you know, in the, the, the thing there. That in all things 
He might have the preeminence. And it's something we need to always understand. And, and you know, I, I remember Buddy Smith telling me one time that it's easy sometimes to get preaching off on, on, on uh, minors, you know, get sidetracked. And he said, if you preach too much on the Father, you'll end up in legalism. If you preach too much on the Holy Spirit, you'll end up with emotionalism. But if you preach on the Son, your preaching will always be balanced. I thought, wow, that's, that's really simple, isn't it? Yeah, it's simple to say, but sometimes it's hard to do when these other things get so attractive and you want to follow them down. Remembering always, always the centrality of Christ in all we preach, say and do. You know, the, they, uh, they had this uh, theory in, the, in, in, in astronomy that the, the sun moved around the world. Okay? Remember that? You know, the old astronomers believed the sun moved around the world. Well, people are like that. You know? They think that it all circles around them. I, I remember one person saying to me, you know, how many Frenchmen does it... You know how many French people? Good. How many Frenchmen does it take to, un, to undo a light bulb? He says, only one, because he holds the light bulb and the entire world revolves around him. Right? But we're like that, aren't we? We like... We, we, we get this idea that the whole universe is revolving around us. And it's all about me. But then some bright sparks in the astronomy world realised that no, the world revolved around the sun. And it would do good for a lot of Christians, I think perhaps... To realise that it, the world doesn't, the sun does not revolve around them. No, they need to revolve around the sun, the son of God. That all things need to orbit and revolve around him and in that way they will remain balanced and in their correct position. But did you know there's a third opinion of who Jesus is? Did you know that? You think, hang on a minute, you've, you've covered two there. We've covered the people and Herod who thought he was just a man. We've covered the disciples who say, no, no, he's the Messiah. There's another opinion. Have a look a little bit further on. Verse 28. And it came to pass about eight days after these sayings, he took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered and his raiment was white and glistening. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. 
But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they awoke, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass as they departed from him, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make thee three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he thus spake, there came a cloud and overshadowed them, and they feared as they entered into the cloud. And there came a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. For there's a third view of Christ. And it's a view held by one. And that's the view of the Father. For the view of the Father is that this is his beloved Son. And it is a unique view. While we can know this view, we cannot hold this view because we're not in that relationship. The relationship between the Father and the Son is one of a kind. This is my beloved Son. And in another passage it says, of whom I am well pleased. Think of it. God is saying to these people, to Peter, James and John, he's not just the Messiah of Israel. He's not just the anointed of God. He's not just the chosen one. He is the son of God. He is God in the flesh. He is my beloved son. And what's more than that, he's not just my beloved son, he is my beloved son and I'm pleased with him. Those of you who are, especially those you know, guys, is there anything you like more? Anything that touches your heart more than having your father say, I'm proud of you? It's something that affects sons particularly deeply. And I, I wondered sometimes how, how did Jesus put up with those people for so long? How did he put up with those ignorant, uh, common people who wouldn't listen? How did he put up with the rulers of the, the, the religious world who opposed him? And how did he put up with those thick-headed disciples who couldn't seem to grasp anything? Well... I think sometimes he got the message from his father and it said, you're my beloved son and I'm well pleased with what you're doing. And that, that sort of encouragement must have been just so powerful to know, to hear it said that you're doing the father's will. There they were. Hearing this third view of who Christ was from his father himself. There with Moses and Elijah. How did they know it was Moses and Elijah? They have name tags. But we know that when we get to heaven we will know people and they will know us. They won't, I don't think they need the name tags. You'll know who they are and they'll know who you are. There are many questions in Scripture. 
There are many things that you look at in Scripture and you say, I wish I knew the answer to that. If you had 10 minutes to chat with Moses and Elijah, what would you ask them? These are guys from heaven. You got 10 minutes and you can ask them what you want. What are you going to ask them? What are you going to talk about with Moses and Elijah? You got 10 minutes. You're going to ask them, how did Noah get those animals on the ark and why didn't he swap the two mosquitoes when he had the chance? What are you going to ask them? Are you going to ask, you're going to say to them, when's the rapture so I can get ready? That'd be something you'd like to know. Maybe you'd go to them and you'd say, guys, what's this with the 666 thing? Can you, tell, can you explain that to me? What would it be? You had 10 minutes with Moses and Elijah. What are you going to talk about? So what are these guys talking about? What's the most important topic of conversation on the face of the earth for these two men? And behold, there talked with him Moses and Elijah who appeared in glory and spake of his decease which he should accomplish in Jerusalem. Remember I said that that was, that was why the, 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 uh, the message couldn't go out? That was why the, the, the proclamation that this was the Messiah couldn't be made because he hadn't yet been resurrected? Well, that was, why, that was what these two guys wanted to talk about. Moses and Elijah wanted to talk about the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was the most important thing that they could think of to talk about. You want to measure the importance of biblical topics? You want to measure the importance of material when you handle it in scripture? How's that for a measure? That with only a few moments on earth, the greatest of the lawgivers and the greatest of the prophets, what did they want to talk about? They wanted to talk about the death, burial and resurrection of Christ. That's an important topic. They spake about his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. Our preaching, our teaching, must always be Christocentric. That's a fancy word for around and about Christ. Our church must always be Christocentric. Our thinking and our activities must always be centred on Christ if they are to stay in balance. For not only did the voice come out of the cloud and look, you know, there's, there's a heap of stuff that you can look at here. The cloud. The last time Moses was in a cloud on a mountain, he was getting, being given the, the, uh, uh, the, the Ten Commandments. A cloud on a mountain? Look at, at Elijah on Mount Carmel and a cloud came up out of the sea announcing the end of a drought. There's so many things you can look through in here. Material to, to, to just thrill your heart and build your soul up. But the important thing I want you to see here is there came a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. 
hear him. Well, if you if the instruction from God speaking from heaven is hear him, what's he saying? He's saying, come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He is saying, the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. He's saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's saying, except a person be born again, they cannot see the kingdom of heaven. He's saying, marvel not that I say unto you, ye must be born again. That's what he's saying. The message of Jesus Christ is to people, to sinners. And he is saying, be ye reconciled unto God. He's saying, come, all those who want to, come and drink of the water of life freely. He's saying that there is no other way and no other hope but him. And the, the words of the, the king of the universe are coming down from the mountain and saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. What's he saying? I'll tell you what he's saying. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, O sinner, come home, come home, ye who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, O sinner, come home. We're going to sing that song as the closing hymn. Is your heart burdened? Is your soul struck down? Do you realize now how much and how desperate your need is as a sinner before Almighty God? Well, Jesus is saying, Come home. Come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. There's rest for the sin-weary soul in Christ. Today, if your heart's been turned away, today, hear ye him. Listen to the words of Christ. 